Hi, I'm Hattie Crisell, the Acting Features Director of Grazia Magazine, and this is Grazia Life Advice. Every week I speak to women worth listening to, asking them to share six pieces of advice that they live by, plus the worst piece of advice they've ever received. Gabby Logan barely needs an introduction. She's the sports TV presenter who's graced our screens for over two decades and in many homes is practically part of the furniture. This weekend, the BBC embarks on a whole summer of women's sport, kicking off with the World Cup and followed by the Netball World Cup in July. And Gabby will be one of the experts guiding us through it. I sat down with her early last week and I loved meeting her. There's something about her that's really energetic and very impressive. I think you'll find her as inspiring as I did. But let me know on Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag Grazia Life Advice. In the meantime, over to Gabby. Welcome to the podcast, Gabby Logan. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so lovely to have you and a very, very exciting time because as this goes out, I think we will be just about to start the World Cup or perhaps just have started the World Cup. So for listeners who aren't in the loop already, because I'm sure there will be plenty listening who are very excited about this and others who don't really know much about it, why should they be excited for the World Cup this year? The Women's World Cup is taking place in France, which is brilliant in terms of audience so it makes such a big difference especially for a sport like women's football which is growing all the time if you're playing in the time zone pretty much that people are watching you know your audiences are much bigger and you can kind of galvanize the nation and I think we saw last summer um, how much the the men's world cup really helped to lift spirits and you Absolutely. know give people a we boost were mad, and, yeah. yeah and this summer I think the women have got a, a, a more than you know I think their opportunity is even bigger than the men because the women's game is growing and the women have gone into this ranked third in the world. So they are favourites, you know, compared to the men who went in with people not giving them much of a hope, you know. And so I think the women's game is, is a really lovely sport because it's obviously it's the same rules it's the same game and the same pitch and you know but it's but it's had a different growth trajectory and it's only gone professional in this country in the last few years so you've had women really having to fight hard to play the game over the last few decades and now we're in a position where women are earning a living out of it and it needs obviously people to come and watch because that's how sports grow but the audiences are growing on telly the audience are growing in the stadiums so you will see really exciting sport played by brave strong brilliant sportswomen and yeah. you will you will love it and to be ranked third in the world that's pretty exciting isn't it yeah and who, it's, who are the other two they are usa and germany right okay mm. and scotland have also qualified for the world cup for the first time the and first scotland's time. men haven't qualified since 98 so for the UK, it's brilliant to have you know Scotland and England in this World Cup. And as I say, because it's in France, it means all our matches are on the first game, which is England-Scotland, is five o'clock on a Sunday, which is just brilliant timing. Absolutely perfect time and to then, sit down and watch yes, family, the whole family. Yeah. yeah, and this is what I love about the women's game. I've you know found myself watching with my husband and my kids. My husband loves women's football because he just thinks that it's played in such a brilliant spirit. You know, he loves the fact that women have tended to not until now, at least, and hopefully not, won't do, roll around on the floor simulating injury, you know. Yeah, and yeah. as an ex-rugby player, he really likes that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and mentions it all the time. And also the pace of the women's game as well. You know, it's really quick. And, and there's the, you know, there's just not so much cynicism. So hopefully it will encourage more young girls to get involved in the game and maybe more young people to get involved in sport generally, you know. Yeah. Now, we were just talking before before we started recording, and this is not a particularly busy time for you because you're busy all year round. Yeah. Um, but what are you personally excited about this summer? Well, the BBC has um, a season called Change the Game, and it has taken and harnessed the possibility of women's sport 
taking front and centre stage this summer because we have the Women's Football World Cup. We then have the Netball World Cup, which maybe 10 years ago wouldn't have registered, but I think the England performance in the Commonwealth Games last year was so strong and really punched through in people's lives. Mm. And, and again, we've got some of the best players yeah. in the world. Yeah, A lot of them playing in Australia, which is a really professional league, but they're going to be at home in Liverpool. Through the summer, we have female athletes who are going to be dominating the British athletics team and then the World Championships in Doha, which I'm involved in later in the summer. And we have cricket that's going on as well as the um, Women's Open. You know, so we have golf. We have a lot of big women's sport through the summer. Yeah. And it'll all be on very accessible times on BBC main channels. So I think this this summer is, you know, is a really exciting, it's more, not so much the individual performances for me, it's the possibility of coming through the end of the World Championships in early October thinking the nation has helped create kind of yeah. these female sporting heroes by watching and taking, you know, kind of a real interest in their performances. Yeah, it feels like there's a real energy behind yeah. the summer, doesn't it? And that it's perhaps a bit of a tipping and point. And it's about the legacy, and I don't want to use that word in a kind of trite way, but it's about how you then infiltrate people's lives in terms of activity and possibility. And it's not about um, a young girl watching the Women's World Cup saying, I'm going to score a goal for England, but maybe thinking, well, actually, I'd like to play rugby. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't think that was possible either. And I, I'm seeing these young women doing this. Maybe I could find out about that. Or, or I want to write a great book or, you know, just yeah. being inspired. And, you know, I get kind of inspired by all kinds of things that are away from sport. So I think, you know, it's a crossover, isn't it? And I think sport does kind of open your eyes to some great individuals but also then makes you feel like you can achieve something it's empowering yeah. yeah even for someone like me who's not sporty at all it's still you get very swept up into that yeah I mean I've always been one that's things. about the emotion of sport you know the great thing about presenting live sport you start off with maybe an opening link but after that you don't know what's going to happen it's the drama you know it's all so live and fresh you know you don't you don't have an autocue you can't plan what's going to happen you can't script things you know it is about the story unfolding yeah, it's the great drama so exciting mm-hmm. well let's get started on your advice that's what we're here for mm-hmm. so your first piece of advice tell me what this one is um treat others how you wish to be treated and you know manners maketh the man and that kind of idea that you know if you're courteous to somebody then you you know can rightly expect a little bit of courtesy back and that's obviously something that's drummed into you as a kid and um or you know you'd hope you would and drum it into your kids I'm you know parent of two children and I always say to my son being charming to somebody costs you nothing but it might you know you never know where that can can lead you to because if you're if you're kind to somebody if you use courtesy with somebody they will remember and and my proudest moments with both my children they've really good at sport they do lots of things they're really you know active in all kinds of areas of school life but when I get an email from somebody saying oh I saw your son the other day and he was so lovely and you know made an effort to cross the road and say hello to me or something like that I get more out more of a buzz out of that yeah than I would out of any of don't tell him that because obviously he's got to keep revising but you know (laughs) that's the kind of thing I think is so important in life and I think if we just all showed each other more of that on a macro level in politics because we're we're being given really bad example in society by Mm. the way that politics politicians treat each other and it filters down and I just think that you know it is a common courtesy just to treat people how you want to be treated back yeah I think what was one of the things that was quite interesting in the men's world cup last year is that one of the kind of heroes who came out of it was Gareth Southgate and I think that is partly tied up with what a polite and charming man he seems to be you are absolutely he is 
everything you see, and I was lucky enough to interview him every few days, spend time in his company, and I've known him for 20 years. He's absolutely everything that you see on the television. And what happened then, his players, who I'm sure ordinarily in everyday life were, were polite, charming young men, but it was like they were given permission to be more like that almost. They didn't yeah. have to put a, you know, kind of a, a, a kind shell of on, yeah, on the outside and, and be something that they felt people thought they were. They just were so lovely and so warm and polite. And I think every industry whether it's a business or a country or a school the leader has a lot to do with that culture that permeates down that's not you know that's not me being revolutionary that's kind of fact isn't it and yeah and so if you have somebody at the top who's like that then you tend to find people who work underneath them or work with them are more likely to be that way so I think as a as a nation we probably whoever runs this country yeah whoever knows who could be <laughs> yeah. but I hope they are you know going to try and change that culture a little bit yeah um, so your second piece of advice is much more of a practical one. Uh, tell me about this. Um, well, I was thinking about something to do with lifestyle. And actually, for me, health is everything because you can't, you know, there's a million things I'd like to do. And if you're not healthy, you can't do them. And so I was thinking, what is at the very central core of, you know, why I feel I am quite healthy? And I, you know. I'm, and you I'm, look very glowy. I oh, that's say. very kind very of you. Well. And I remember I didn't used to do this um, for a few years, but eat breakfast which is <laughs> sounds really obvious but I got into a habit when I left university and I started living on my own and working I became that person that skipped breakfast probably have some something sweet around 11 o'clock I mean it was classic blood sugar level spikes you know yeah. and then wondered why I never felt great and had energy slumps and you know and so for me cracking breakfast is a really I can't imagine not having breakfast now you know I really went kind of 180 degrees the other way and then I think the rest of your day is easier to keep healthy almost, you know, and to mm. keep eating the right things. And it's the fuel you, mm. you know, if you want to operate kind of, you know, at the, the best level that you operate sounds like I'm a car, but do you know what I mean? If you want to be, <laughs> do, yeah. if you want to be the best kind of that you can be, it's health. It's all down to health. So eat breakfast. And the second bit of that part of advice is drink more water. Whatever you're drinking, you probably can drink a bit more water. Yeah. So. And what do you have for breakfast? So at the moment, I'm eating a lot of kind of protein at breakfast. I have some salmon and avocado, or I might have some spinach and salmon, like cook a bit of spinach and a bit of butter and salmon. I went through a phase recently of eating porridge with uh, peanut butter and bananas. Um, yeah, I kind of OD'd on that. I was eating it like <laughs> my, a guy I train with. I hate saying my trainer, but he's a big fan of mixing up your breakfasts. He said, don't have the same breakfast more than twice a week and try and, you know, so try and mix it up. Yeah, I think eat breakfast. Is, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's huge. And eat it well. Eat yes, it a la yes. Gabby. Um, your third piece of advice, again, is sort of back on the manners. Yeah, manners it is a friend. bit, yeah. but it's kind of a more specific one. Be on time. My friends all laugh. Like, I'm going to be five minutes late for a table in a restaurant. I'll ring them in advance, you know. And they're like, it's five minutes. <laughs> but I just think lateness is... If you turn up late for something, you're basically saying to the person that your time is more valuable than theirs. And yeah. that they, I know there are sometimes, you know, things happen and you, logistics happen and you can't always. But I think you just being punctual is such a sign of respect for the, the, the thing you're doing, the person you're doing. And also it almost helps your brain as well to be a bit more organized and yeah. go, right, OK, I just need to be on time for people because it's but whatever it is. It's, yeah, I'm a bit of a, you know, it's a good life skill to try and be on time. Also, I was, I was brought up by a mother who 
was pretty much late for most things. So I think you rebel. You've gone the other yeah. way. Yeah. She's just like, I thought football matches were about 35 minutes each half. because <laughs> My dad was a footballer and we used to turn up and we'd miss the first 10 minutes of the half. And then we seemed to leave to go to the bar before the set, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of the, I'm the abject, absolute opposite. You can't get away with that these days, no. can you? Skipping, no, yeah, exactly. skipping 20 minutes of the match. Yeah. Your fourth piece of advice, tell me this one. Um, so I've said dress for the job you want, not the job you have, which is not really literal because I kind of have the job I want. But what I mean is that in my job, I, I feel it's really important for me to be groomed and to look nice. Not because I have anything, you know, oh, I'm a woman and I have to look nice on telly, you know, whereas a man can get away with a lot more, I think. Yeah. It's because I think when I'm going into somebody's home, I feel like I want to respect them by making a bit of an effort, you know. Yeah. And I once had a a kind of slight disagreement with somebody um, who was in the BBC and was supposed to be giving us all styling advice. And he wasn't really from a styling background. And he said, I think maybe you're too glamorous. And um, I said, sorry. I said, I don't wear low cut tops. I don't wear shorts. You know, he said, but, um, you know, I mean, you wouldn't wear what you're wearing now, for example, he said, to empty the dishwasher. And I said, but, but I you're not emptying the dishwasher. Exactly. I said, I'm in people's homes and I'm, yeah. you know, as long as I'm practical, I'm not sitting there in a sleeveless dress in the middle of winter, kind of freezing. As long as I'm not giving anybody kind of, you know, um, reason to think I'm getting pneumonia. I feel like it's important to be, I love clothes anyway. Yeah. But I feel it's important to kind of give that respect back to somebody. Do you know what I mean? That you think, well, I'm going in your home I don't want you to be distracted because I'm wearing something completely wildly inappropriate yeah so, or because I you know look like I haven't bothered to think about this yeah or, yeah. yeah and I think I probably my my mum's very groomed so I grew up with somebody maybe that's why her you know she was so late for everything so I think there is <laughs> there is a balance you know what I mean to be had with not spending too much time thinking about it but I also I'm very organized with my wardrobe for work so I don't panic either do you know what I mean yeah. I don't have those kind of last minute wobbles about things I tend to be right do you know okay. what you're going to wear the day before or yeah I mean yeah. so the world cup I've got all my outfits all ready so I've even That's allocated fantastic. them to matches <laughs> because what I want to be thinking about is what I'm doing yeah not what I'm wearing that's the thing I don't want my you know I don't want to be sitting there worrying that that top's not going to be right on telly or yeah. you know and the stylist that I've worked with most in the past kind of for you know working stuff for telly at the beginning she was in magazines and so and she still is in kind of editorial so she didn't get the telly kind of thing so she I said I can't get a mic on that or right. you know where's my earpiece gonna go she laughs now about her the first job we did together because you know she'd have these backless dresses and I go oh, and where is the microphone gonna go where is the you know so um so it's just feeling of the balance of having that smartness and respect for the viewer but at the same time not letting the clothes wear you, you yeah know? you're wearing some absolutely fantastic trousers today oh thank you um they're, a they're kind very old of, actually are they they're old j crew yeah they're a lovely sort of blue i would say that's almost like a jackass they're like they're a, a jackass aren't they they're like an old man's pajama kind of fabric mm, aren't they they're nicer than old men's pajamas <laughs> i would say yeah thank lovely. you <laughs> <laughs> um your fifth piece of advice yeah this one um I think it takes time to get to the position where you can say this because I do think this becomes I mean some people in their 20s might reach this position very early on like 22 but I think it does take a bit of time in your life to actually say with conviction that what other people think about me is not my business and Mm. actually taking too much time and too much energy worrying about all you know the, the myriad of people in your whether it's people on social media whether it's yeah. people you work with whether it's people in you know even in your extended family I think it's important to have a few people whose counsel you really respect and you really you know admire and you would go to them and say do you think that was quite right or was this but if you listen to everybody and I learned this quite early on because 
first of all, in my career, there was no social media, but there were more newspaper columnists who wrote about telly. Right. And, you know, one day I'd get a really good review. The next day I'd have something personally crucifying, you know. Yeah. And I realised I was going to end up very mentally imbalanced if I was to take on board the great stuff and the negative stuff. And of course, I did what most humans do. I didn't actually listen to the great stuff. It was only the negative stuff I was taking yeah. on board and absorbing. So somebody could say something really lovely, but that didn't matter because somebody else had absolutely wiped that out with a horrible, you know, quite personal dig at me. And it was probably in kind of my late 20s before social media really started kicking in, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> because I think if I'd grown up with social media, it might be even harder, you know, to, to work that one out. But I just... Through kind of, I used to see an acupuncturist who was brilliant for me in terms of, you know, getting my head balanced about things. I started to realise that, yeah, it's important that you have people that you can trust, but you can't possibly <laughs> take on board mm. everybody's opinion. Otherwise, who's is true? Where's the truth coming from? Absolutely. And I suppose ultimately you have to listen to your own gut. Inner voice. Yeah. yeah. And it's finding your inner voice isn't it and finding your um the strength to listen to your inner voice yeah knowing yourself actually yeah that wasn't great that yeah should, that wasn't brilliant and how am I gonna and as human beings how are we ever going to move on unless we can admit our flaws and our frailties it's not about saying I'm I'm perfect all the time <laughs> you know it's not that at all and you don't just want three people who nod at you and say oh my gosh you know no, that was brilliant and you know yeah. I've had friends who've gone to work in telly in America and they tell you how it's such a different culture. You're constantly told you're great. Then you're sacked on Monday morning, you know. <laughs> so it's, you know, well, yeah. so, but whereas to your in, face, yeah. they love you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this country, there is a bit more rigor and honesty, you know, about things. Um, and I think it's important as well to not be afraid to be criticized, you know, not have, we can't go through life not critiquing and, mm. and whether it's performance or whether it's what you're, you know, how you do your job, how you live your life, whatever. I think we need a bit of an honesty kind of yeah. check sometimes. So in your professional life, um, does anybody spring to mind who you really go to for a good opinion? Well, the person I used to go to all the time and I met when I first started at Sky when I was about 22 was this amazing man called Ed Percival. And sadly, he passed away a couple of years ago. And I've missed him so much, you know, oh, and I yeah. really he's he was such a wise owl, you know, and I, about every four months, six months, we'd have a coffee. And then he'd say something like, I've just noticed you've got into a habit when you're on telly. And he'd just do it in a really little, gentle kind of way. He said, instead of saying this, or, you know, your questions have got a bit closed, or or I'd go to him and say, okay, I've got the Olympics coming up. Let's do some NLP stuff and really, you know, visualize good shows and how I kind of get myself into that state. And so I was really missing him. And I found myself asking producers and editors who I trust more. So last summer at the World Cup, the producer for, the, for the, all the BBC's football coverage, I said to him, look, after each interview, just when you've watched it back, just give me a couple of pointers. And I think he was a bit taken aback at first because I worked with him for so long. And then suddenly I was asking him for advice. <laughs> it yeah, was a yeah. bit like, it's a bit like now, Gabby, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. And he did. And I was, it was so valuable because, you know, he was really just practical takeaway things. I think then improved my performance the next time, you know. And I think, well, I'm 40, I was 45, I'm 46 now, I was 45 then. And I just thought afterwards, it was so refreshing to you know think you never stop learning you know yeah. what I mean you never get to the point where you go yeah I've got this <laughs> and that's how you stay at the top of your game well yeah if all the people I admire in sport for example they all keep learning they keep making mistakes because that's what sport does and then yeah. they they learn and you know they say you never actually learn from a perfect performance yeah you only learn when things have not quite gone right yeah actually you know to give a, a shout out to another fantastic podcast um 
How to Fail with Elizabeth Day, who's who's been a guest on this podcast as well. I think something that she talks about in her book is that sports people are among the best people she's met at um, taking failure constructively yeah. because you have you can't every time you lose a match fall on the Otherwise floor and never quit. play again. Yeah. yeah. So sport is like a pyramid. I always say it's not that the people at the top are necessarily the most physically gifted or were born with the most talent. But they're the ones who've been able to learn the quickest, I think, from their mistakes. I mean, you will get the physiology playing a part, but it is the mental ability to not feel it personally when when a coach says something to you. But I do think sport, you know, she's right. Sport is probably the kind of hotbed, if you like, of humans who take on that that critiquing and have to use it almost immediately. You know, like the next game, even within within a match, you know, within a a sporting scenario. Yeah, after half time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your final piece of good advice is exercise themed. (laughs) Tell me this one. Um, Whatever mood you're in, it will only be enhanced by exercise. So, and and I, I'm particularly thinking if your mood isn't great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because actually most of the time I exercise, I, I kind of turn up at the gym in a fairly good mood. But I definitely notice the times where I go feeling a little bit like off the pace or feeling a bit tired or feeling a little bit low about something. I come out and I'm so happy I've trained. I'm so happy I've gone for a run. I'm so... I just feel better about everything and I always say when I go away to World Cups or I go away to trips where I've got to work really intensely for a month I always say to my producer if I can exercise and I can have a coffee I'll do anything you want I'll be with you 18 hours a day I'll work my socks off but I need I need that little bit of time to just go and kind of have a bit of headspace and physically get the endorphins going and feel better about everything so so during something intense like the World Cup how much are you exercising? How much over well, a week would you? It'd probably be more running than anything because I probably won't be able to get into gyms. I've noticed all the hotels we're staying in don't seem to be blessed with great gyms. This being the BBC. Not good Come on, guys. I'll be doing what I call a hotel room workout, which obviously involves own body weight stuff. So I'll probably have a 15, 20 minute circuit I'd do. And then I'll try and get out for runs. Alex Scott, it was with me the whole time and she's obviously very fit and she runs. So, so we can do runs together because all the girls I'm with actually, all the women I'm with want to train so hopefully we can kind of you know yeah. maybe do some circuits on you know a bit of grass somewhere or right. do something so look out for Alex Scott and Gabby Logan <laughs> jogging past you if you're in the but area. I think it's yeah. so important to you know have that bit of headspace and just get out I'd rather do that than go out for a fancy three-course dinner you know we're going to eat that's a given but I'd rather spend a bit more time doing that than you know than going out in the evening which we never do anyway because we're always traveling so the matches are like nine o'clock eight o'clock local time and then we'll be in a car going on to the next place so you don't actually have a lot of downtime on these trips you know it's like work travel work travel so if you don't do something for yourself that involves a bit of physical exercise you can go a bit stir crazy I think so that brings us on to the worst piece of advice you've, you've ever received. Do you remember who told you this? This is a bit tongue-in-cheek. Yes, I do. It was a guy when I worked in local radio. I worked in Metro FM and I must have only been 22 because it was my first year after university. I did a breakfast show um, on Metro FM in Newcastle and I'd done a law degree. I graduated on the Thursday and I started a full-time job on the Monday. And I was doing Monday to Friday on the breakfast show, getting up at 4 a.m., working I mean breakfast show's great because you finish work at 10 you're exhausted but at 22 actually your engine's going you know you've got time to do it yeah and then I started doing a bit of telly for time teas so I do some interviews in the afternoon and then I was doing a panto in the evening because the time theatre was closing down and to save it uh, we had this panto Metro gave all their DJs to go and play the part of the DJ at the ball for um in the panto so I was doing a couple of nights a week there and then I started doing a Saturday job (laughs) at St James's Park doing 
basically I was working for the sports team on the radio, which is how I got into sports broadcasting. So to say I had a few jobs and I was juggling, I was obviously, but I had no kids. I had no mortgage. I had no worries really you know what I mean I was you enjoying it and I was absolutely loving it anyway this guy who was head of sales for the radio station he kept flirting with me and stuff and he said to me oh you know you really you've got to slow down you're just you're going to burn out you know and I I remember thinking wow imagine saying that to somebody who's young he was only a few years older than me but suddenly I looked at him and thought oh you're really old you know saying that to me you feel like you're kind of like ready for retirement in slippers so I ignored him and I'm so glad I did because I think you've got to do what you can do. And at that age, I had all that energy to do all those things. And I loved it. And I got loads of experience. And it was all positive stuff. I wasn't going out boozing all night. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't taking drugs. I wasn't, I was doing things that I loved, meeting people that were giving me energy and excitement. And so, yeah, when people say things like that to me now, even, you know, just slow down I kind of go <laughs> why yeah <laughs> why I mean I love sleep don't get me wrong I've got to get seven hours sleep a night but um yeah I think there's a lot to be said for doing what feels right for you you know yeah and yeah and, and you're and living proof of that and not 20 odd years later not, not necessarily slowing down. I've got no intention of slowing down so no please don't <laughs> um well thanks so much Gabby you've been fantastic and uh good luck in France thank you so much for having me <laughs> thank you Thank you so much to Gabby Logan. Don't miss the BBC's Change the Game season this summer, kicking off this weekend. Please tune in to support Scotland and England in the Women's World Cup. I hope you're loving Grazia Life Advice. If so, please help us out by subscribing, rating it, reviewing it or sharing it. See you next week for more advice from women worth listening to.